Hey, good evening. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm uh, very pleased to tell you that I am in my, I call this my temporary home, uh, God willing. Uh, in the summertime, my, my wife will come down and we'll get a an actual apartment. But right now I'm living in an RV. Um... I've got my desk and ta- and a chair set up in the in the living room, and uh, in in front of me is kind of like the kitchen, which is kind of off to the right, and then the living room is kind of off to the left, and then in the front of the RV is the the bedroom. But uh, I'm um, I'm excited to talk about this this week because uh, this is actually the subject that um, David Paulman and I are supposed to do a debate next month. Now, he has not emailed me back. We, we went back and forth. Um, I kind of, I delayed it just because of the move and, you know, getting settled in uh, where I work, um, it's funny, I was supposed to sign, I signed for a key today, then, then found out that it was the wrong key, and, but, uh, everything's coming along slowly, but surely, but, uh, this is week two of the series on the five points of Calvinism, and a lot of times people, you gotta understand if you if you didn't listen to the first one, go back and listen to that because a lot of people will be like, "Well, I've got a free will and I can I can choose and, and I chose and they don't understand that God had to give you. In fact, I'm gonna just throw this in here just for if you look at Ezekiel 36. see here yeah starting in verse 26 this is a prophecy about what would happen in the new covenant he said and i will give you a new heart and a new spirit i will put within you and i will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. That started on the day of Pentecost. You know, God had always put the spear upon people. Remember when Saul first became king and he went amongst the prophets and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It, it didn't, they, they didn't have the spirit within them until the new covenant. So until that happens, you can't choose to do good. You can't. Romans 8 
verses 7 and 8 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That includes repenting and believing. So people talk about in their testimony how they, they were at church, they heard the gospel, they went forward, and then they repented of their sins and, and trusted in Jesus as their Savior. That's all true, but they don't understand that God changed their heart even before they got up. And since people are incapable of pleasing God on their own, we have to be chosen by God. John 10.26 says, and he's talking to the crowd. Actually, let me go back. In verse 24, the crowd, somebody in the crowd says, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25 Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. John 10, 26. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28 actually deals with the P of perseverance of the saints, where he says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I might as well read verse 29 because it applies to this unconditional election as well. It says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. So who gives us to Jesus? Do we do, do, we do it voluntarily or no? God gives us to Jesus. Acts eleven eighteen. see here oh yeah Peter is recounting or recalling what happened with Cornelius and the other Gentile who Gentiles who became believers and actually let me start in verse 16 this is Peter talking. He says, And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. It's hard for us to admit that God chooses us. We want to say that we chose to follow him. But that's not what the scriptures teach. Now, you may look at when you became a Christian and you say, well, I got up and I went forward and and I I repented of my sins and I asked, I asked him to save me. That's all true, but the first step is God changing your heart 
And only those who are the elect are going to do that. Or are going to be a part of that. God chooses us. He changes our heart. Then we go forward. The process is called regeneration. Look at Romans 8. This is called the golden chain of redemption. Starting in verse 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The the part about the foreknew, and some people have a theory that God chose the church and we on an individual basis choose whether we're going to accept or reject Christ. And so therefore the church is chosen. That's not it's not about whether God foreknows and looks down the corridors of time and says, all right, that person's going to respond favorably, so I'm going to save him, and that person's not going to respond favorably, so I'm not going to do anything there. That's not it. When it says that he foreknew, there was a, there was a level of intimacy. It was the type of, like in Jeremiah 1, where God said before, you know, you know, while you were in the mother's womb, I knew you. It was a personal, intimate knowledge of those who are saved. So, this next one is in Romans 9, and it's a fairly long passage. I'm going to start in Romans verse nine, or Romans 9, verse 10, and read all the way to verse 21. It says, and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, the, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. But what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You say, will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? So, you know, he chose Jacob instead of Esau. And this isn't about the nations. 
It's interesting, I listened to a debate between Dr. Leighton Flowers and Dr. James R. White. And Dr. Flowers tries to say, oh, I don't believe this is about nations. And then like 10 minutes later in his, in his opening statement, he says it's about the nations. It's not about individual people. And it's just a huge contradiction. And I, I understand why people resist this. They want to think that they chose. And they're basing it upon their experience. But once again, I, I have to make this point and again and again and again until people get it. God changes your heart first. Then you go forward. Then you rep repent of your sins and put your trust and confidence and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has to change your heart first. And then you do it. So we can't take credit for going forward. God put that desire in, in us. God changed our heart and gave us, instead of a heart of a stone, he gave us a heart of flesh. He gave us a heart that was soft and moldable and teachable. Because as human beings, we, we want to take credit for everything. We want, we want to take credit for things. We want to look good. We want to... Um, be in the spotlight and God wants a servant who is humble you know even the part with Pharaoh God raised up Pharaoh to show his power in Egypt every single one of the plagues in Exodus was a rebuke of an Egyptian God was it fair that God chose the Israelites and didn't choose the Egyptians? No. But that's a part of God's plan. You know, was it fair that God chose Moses to be his spokesperson, to be his prophet at the time? I'm sure there were other people that wanted to, to be in that position after... Uh, they saw the mighty works that, that Moses did, but it was really God doing it through Moses. Yeah. And you have to, if you just look at one of these passages, you might be able to find a, a way to, um, well, that's not what that means. It means this. And People need to learn to let go of this desire to want to be in control. I have found over the years that there are so many things in this world that I have absolutely no control over of. Our God's hand of providence is at work throughout the world and 99% of the time, it's probably a hundred. <laughs> uh, the one thing that we have control over is, is our attitude. 
you know, we are responsible of having a good attitude and trusting in God. So, let's go to Ephesians 1. I don't know why on my list I started with verse 4, but let's start with verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, I can see why if you just took this one passage, how you could say about the... How he, excuse me, how he chose... The, how he chose the church. Because Paul is writing to the church, excuse me, to the church in Ephesus. It says, um, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Um, in fact, I think it was Karl Barth who, yeah, who's, who proposed the idea that the elect are the ones that are in Christ. That was Paul's, I mean, Karl Barth's way of dealing with election. Something about these Mio drinks. Whew. It doesn't settle in my stomach very well. Um, excuse me, I just need a moment. Um, so if you just looked at this one passage, you could say that. But if you look and take this with the others that I've already shared. That foreknowledge in Romans 8 is a specific knowledge of specific people. So, flip over one chapter to Ephesians 2.
I'm going to start reading in verse 4. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now here's the thing that got me. This is the, the, this is the passage that really convicted me about election. Because... If God chose me to be a teacher in the body of Christ, then that means everybody that he's that's saved, not only did he did God save that person from going to hell. <sighs> Excuse me. But you have a specific role in the body of Christ. Think about that. If you believe what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 about, you know, excuse me. Mm. I apologize. I whew. there's some things with this um, colitis that I have. Uh, um, that I can't have. Like I can't eat things with onion or garlic in them. I'm beginning to think I can't have this meal stuff. In fact, I'm just going to pour it out. I apologize. Uh, huh having this weird reaction to it yeah anyway we get this um i only have one i only have one more verse i need to read it's weirdness i'm live i'm having trying to record a podcast and I'm having some weird reaction to that drink. Um, go back to, flip back a few books to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Um, I found this one later after putting my list together. Oh, yeah, I remember Dr. White using this first in the debate with Dr. Flowers. And as a side note, um, and that, I think that's one of the reasons why I want to have this debate um, it's funny, my mind just went completely blank as far as the guy's name. Um, then I tried to, oh yeah, David Pullman. Um, I watched a video of David Pullman and this other guy, and they were critiquing the Potter's Freedom. Which, if you've never read The Potter's Freedom by Dr. James R. White, it is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Um, but the whole time, this this guy, uh, I, I guess he's working on his doctorate. Uh, I don't think he has it yet. But I'll just call him David. Um he keeps referring to Dr. White as just white. White believes this. White believes that. And it's like, I wanted to like reach through the screen and just shake him and be like, show some respect, dude. I would never, as, as much as I don't agree with Dr. Leighton Flowers, I would never refer to him as Flowers. Well, Flowers believes this, or Flowers believes that, or Flowers teaches this. I worked pretty hard just to get my master's degree. I know it takes a lot of hard work and energy, and a lot of papers, and a lot of reading, and a lot of just hard work to get your, your doctorate. Whether it's a doctorate of ministry or a PhD. That's even harder. So... If I talk about Leighton Flowers, it will always be Dr. Flowers, not Flowers or White Said. It's David Palman, you need to wake up. It's Dr. White. You will refer to him as Dr. White, not White. Now me, you can call me James. Don't don't just call me by my last name. Okay? It's just, it's a little pet peeve of mine. It's just, you know, you can call me Chaplain White. You can call me James. You can call me Reverend White. Don't just, well, White said this or White said that. It's just disrespectful. Anyway, Dr. White quoted this verse in one of the debates. I'm pretty sure it was the one he did with Dr. Flowers. Actually, let me start in verse 22. It says, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Verse 24, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Okay, so to those who are not called, the Jews are demanding a sign, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we, Christians, preach Christ crucified. That is a stumbling block to Jews, those who aren't called, and folly to Gentiles, once again, dealing with people who are not called, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So in other words, the difference is those who are not called don't understand. Those who are called get it, and they realize that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Savior. What's the difference? Well, the ones that are called, they get a new heart, they understand, they've got the Holy Spirit in them, they understand. Now, I don't know all the dynamics. We get a new heart, then we repent, but the Bible says you repent. And when you repent and are baptized, that's when uh, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. So... I do believe that when God gives you a new heart, there's something else, something changes inside of you and you have this desire to want to do good and to, and to seek God. Um, it's, it's kind of funny in, in my mind, my mind, I, I works different than most people's. Um, I, I actually, as a side note, I couple, actually about a month ago now, I retook the Myers-Briggs. See, I used to think I was an ENFJ. But come to find out, I'm actually, it, come, it, was, it was real close. It was more in the middle. It was like 53 I, 53% I, 47% E. So I'm kind of in the middle, but I, I'm actually more on the introvert side. And what I had to learn was I can be out in public. I can speak in front of lots and lots of people. But I reach a certain point where I need to pull back and go recharge and be by myself. I say that because the INFJ is apparently the most unique personality of the 16. There's fewer INFJs than any other personality. So I know that I'm a little bit different than a lot of people. And to me, that moment... The, the best way I can describe what happens when God gives a person a new heart and then they go forward and um, repent of their sins and, and put their faith in Christ, it's like, it's almost like green eggs and ham. If you've seen the cartoon with Dr. Seuss, now granted in that cartoon, 
Um, somebody could even argue that the guy chose to eat the green eggs and ham. But throughout the entire cartoon, there's a guy arguing with him, trying to get him to eat and try it. And see, that's where people don't understand. And I think this is a really good comparison because what happens is we do, maybe the first time, the second time that we're um, encouraged by the Holy Spirit to... um, to give up our life of sin and turn to Christ, we say no. You can resist for a little bit. But when God wants you on his team, (laughs) he will give you a new heart. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I want to serve God. So... Some people will be like, but but I resisted. Yeah, he allowed you to for a little bit until his time was right. Everything works. God works everything according to his plan. It's his timing. It's his purpose that comes to pass. I mean, why did God wait until I was 18? I don't know. Maybe God had to take me out of my comfort zone until I realized I had nothing and that I needed him. That's the only thing I can think of. I may get to heaven and find out it was something completely different, but I'm not going to argue because I'll be in heaven. So Anyway, wow, I went over. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... Next week we'll talk about limited atonement. I know that it's it doesn't sound like an exciting topic, but I want you to understand this. And then I'll close. Everybody believes in limited atonement, except for universalists. Seriously, think about that. The Armenians believe in limited atonement and believe it's limited by human choice. Calvinists believe it's limited based upon Jesus dying for the elect. I don't believe that God made it possible for someone to get saved. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood cleansed the sins and paid for the sins of his people. Think about this. Was it fair? Did God, was it fair in the Old Testament that God did not choose the Assyrians? No. Was it fair that God did not choose the Babylonians? No. Was it fair that God did not choose the Canaanites? No. He chose the people of Israel. Now. He's choosing specific people for a specific purpose. So, I love you guys. Thank you so much.
for uh, listening. And um, God willing, uh, we'll be back here next week. And uh, uh, we'll talk about part three. Until then, have a great week. Love you. Bye.